Welcome to Matters of Fact. I'm Christian Esguera. Today on the program, we'll uh, take a look back in 2012 at the events of 2012, which is often mentioned by President Rodrigo Duterte, uh, often his criticism of critics of his administration's handling of the China problem or the problem at the West Philippine Sea. Now we're talking about the Scarborough Shoal standoff in 2012 between the Philippines and China. The Philippine vessels withdrew, but uh, China did not. Uh, and since then, China has been, for all intents and purposes, in possession of that part of the sea. We're going to talk about that with a former ambassador of the Philippines in Washington who was directly involved in the negotiations regarding that incident. Joining us now is former Philippine ambassador to the United States, Mr. Jose Quisha Jr. Good morning, Ambassador, and thank you for joining us on the program. Good morning, Christian, and it's a pleasure to join you. Thank you. Okay, let's start with this uh, debate issue regarding President Duterte and uh, retired Supreme Court Associate Justice Antonio Carpio. How do you think uh, this particular controversy has been reflecting on the Philippines, not just President Rodrigo Duterte? I agree with Senior Associate Justice or former Senior Associate Justice Antonio Carpio that the President's position is undermining the Philippines' own position, and it is a tragedy because his statements can have a very serious impact on the rights of the Philippines. Okay, but uh, in, in this case, uh, in, the, in that uh, statement coming from uh, Justice Carpio, he said that the president should walk back on his statements uh, favoring China and perhaps just say uh, that he was joking. I think he was referring in particular to that statement by the president, which was quite alarming that China is in possession of the West Philippine Sea. Um, Justice Carpio has been trying to debunk that. But can the president easily just walk back on that statement by saying that, uh, well, I was just joking, and how do you think that would reflect on the Philippine position? Do you, don't you think that would risk, uh, for instance, China, uh, the Philippines not being taken seriously by China? I mean, how do you handle this? Well, I think... Um President Duterte has uh, expert uh, spin masters who can find a way. They've done that many times in the past. So, but it is correct to say that his statements can have an adverse impact on our own position, especially when he says that the arbitral ruling is just a piece of paper. Um, you know, he is actually squandering the victory, the huge victory we, we had over China. And it is a tragedy that he has taken that position. Now, often President Duterte mentions the uh, 2012 Scarborough, uh, Scarborough standoff to uh, get back at his critics uh, domestically, in particular, the likes of uh, Justice Carpio. Um, let's talk about what really happened there. You were still the ambassador of the Philippines to Washington at that time. Um, of course, walk us through the negotiation process with China. Uh, and who actually made that suggestion for the Filipina vessels to pull out of this Scarborough show? Well, um, the Assistant Secretary for East Asia Affairs at the U.S. State Department, Kurt Campbell, came to my office expressing their concern that the tensions in the South China Sea, especially in Scarborough Shoal, were growing so strong because of that standoff. If you recall, at that time, that was April 2012, there were about 77 Chinese vessels, all in all, facing around eight Filipino vessels. We only had one uh, 
fairly large, which was the B, I believe it was the B, BRP Ramon Alcaraz, which was sent to check on uh, Chinese fishing vessels that were harvesting giant clams. They were actually blocked by uh, Chinese Coast Guard ships, and that is why the the officials of the BRP, Ramon Alcaraz, were not able to board the Chinese fishing vessels. Um, so at that time, the numbers were just very much against us. They had five large vessels. We had one. We had one uh, Bureau of Fisheries, not even a, you know uh, as large as the BRP, uh, Ramon Alcaraz. It was probably half the size. And the rest were fishing uh, vessels. So Kirk Campbell said, uh, Ambassador, I think it's best if the Philippines uh, withdraws its ships from Scarborough Shoal. And I said, uh, I cannot make that recommendation. Um, what I would suggest is a simultaneous withdrawal of the ships. So he said he was going to go back to talk to the Chinese ambassador, Zhang Se-Yesui, and see if they would agree to it. So he came back to me and he said that they had agreed. So, okay, we decided to suggest a specific day and a time that there would be simultaneous withdrawals of the, of the ships, both from the Philippines and the U.S. So with that agreement, I went to Secretary De Rosario and made the recommendation, who in turn went to President Noinoy Aquino to recommend that we have a simultaneous uh, withdrawal of ships. Uh, um, of course, at that time, uh, President Aquino raised also the question, what happens if the Chinese will? He said, well, of course, we cannot be sure. We, we have no guarantees, but with the situation as it was, I said that, you know, we, we practically had no choice. But to try this, to just to ease the tension and to avoid a possible violent clash uh, in, 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 in Scarborough show. So that was really the intent of, of that suggestion. But was there really uh, a threat of a violent clash at that time? Well, that's what Assistant Secretary uh, Campbell was saying, that all we needed was just a spark to trigger off a violent clash. You, you know what happened in 1979 when, when uh, 77 Vietnamese sailors, uh, uh, well, drowned because their ship was, was uh, uh, well, attacked by the Chinese. Uh, naval forces, and so fortunately, it didn't go beyond that. I think there were uh, negotiations, and and you know the the tensions eased at that time. So, Assistant Secretary Campbell wanted to avoid such a situation, and this is why he made that suggestion. But uh, just to be clear, there was no commitment on the part of the Chinese that they would also withdraw. Oh, they they, they did agree. We would not have proceeded if they had not agreed. So clearly, China what, breached the agreement. They breached okay. the agreement. What exactly did the Chinese say during the negotiations? I'm sorry, what was your question? What exactly did the Chinese say? Uh, did the, remember, proposal on your part the, was, uh, the proposal on your side was simultaneous uh, withdrawal, withdrawal, right? Okay. So what and, was uh, the exact wording, if you can recall? Oh. No, they agreed to a simultaneous mm -hmm. withdrawal. But remember, this was being brokered by the U.S., in the person of uh, Assistant Secretary Kurt Campbell. So he was going back and forth uh, between okay. the Chinese ambassador and myself. I think you also hear this uh, the, this perspective or claim that the, the star, uh, that during the Scarborough, uh, uh, Scarborough Show standoff, 
the Philippines was placed there uh, on that tight spot uh, by, by, by Washington. Uh, care to answer that or even uh, perhaps uh, straight the record straight, uh, set the record straight? No, I mean, we could have said no. Uh, but we wanted to ease the tension like the U.S. We wanted an easing of tensions. We thought that uh, China was uh, acting in good faith when they agreed. Uh, and, and this is why I cannot understand why the president blames Secretary De Rosario um, for, for, for that situation. I think he should have commended Secretary De Rosario and President Noino Aquino for precisely taking the courageous stand in filing a claim uh, in the arbitral tribunal in The Hague, because that was a more peaceful way of trying to settle this issue. Uh, yet he blames Secretary De Rosario for that, for having what withdrawn the ships. Uh, I think uh, I, I cannot understand why he is uh, not blaming the Chinese for having breached the agreement. Okay. And but look, mm, but looking back, do you think uh, it was a mistake for the Philippines to even propose or push for that uh, simultaneous withdrawal um, pact? No, because as I said. What we were trying to avoid was a possible violent clash. And, you know, anything can happen when you have these, uh, these ships facing each other. And that was going on for days. And this is why we needed to ease the tension at that point. Mm -hmm. We did achieve it, yes, but mm -hmm. at a very high cost. And what do you say to those who have been uh, still uh, criticizing the, the Philippine government, uh, the administration at that time, of uh, taking the matter before the Permanent Court of Arbitration instead of just uh, dealing with China. Um, let's say, not exactly bilaterally, even unilaterally, but without, uh, multilaterally, but without going to the extent of uh, bringing the case before the PCA. Well, you know, um, we tried many times to, to deal with them bilaterally. In fact, we had more than 50 diplomatic protests that were that were sent to China uh, during the administration of President Aquino. But China just kept ignoring it. Remember, Christian, that when this case was filed, we were, we were on our own. We, we hardly had any support. But we had to explain our position. Our, our diplomats were asked to explain our different countries. And slowly, we gained the this, this support. They thought that the Philippines was very uh, I guess, courageous in, in going up against China. And at that time, um, very few countries felt that the Philippines uh, could win against China. But fortunately, we had a, a very strong case, and I think our lawyers did a great job. And I commend uh, President Noinoy Aquino, Secretary De Rosario, uh, Justice uh, Carp, and all the others who assisted in, in, in that case. Um, and because of that um, victory, I think we have gained uh, the, the uh, respect of, of many other countries. And of course, the question now is uh, how has uh, that victory uh, benefited the Philippines with the way President Duterte has been um, using or perhaps uh, deciding not to use it? Because he keeps saying that uh, he decided to raise that with China. But uh, China just dismissed it. China did uh, basically ignored the ruling. So um, well, let's look then in the past five years of the Have we gained anything by 
taking such a subservient attitude to China. They promised us huge investments, huge loans. What have we gotten so far? I think the records show that we've hardly gotten what they pledged. So what have we gotten? In the meantime, how much have we lost? Look at all the damage that China has done in terms of uh, reclaiming those islands, building uh, military facilities, etc. all the fish that they have gotten from, from our own territorial waters. Billions and billions of dollars. So what have we gotten in, for, for that kind of subservient attitude that, that the president has taken? Now, how, how do we how do we recover uh, how do we cover lost ground here? Given the the way the Duterte administration <clears throat> has been handling the uh, the issue over the West Philippine Sea, for instance, um, of course it's never too late to raise an arbitral victory. But how do you think uh, the Duterte statements have been affecting our landmark victory um, at the permanent court of arbitration? Well, since uh, the president is the chief architect of uh, foreign policy, he's the one that's making this decision. But it is unfortunate that the Philippines precisely has squandered a huge victory. Now, what could we have done? We should have gone to the United Nations. He actually made a very good statement last September at the UN General Assembly, but he did follow through with that. If only we kept pressure on China, I think we would have gotten the support of many other countries who were just waiting for the Philippines to take a strong stance with regard to this arbitral decision. But the Philippines did not. You think we should uh, change uh, tact and uh, get more countries involved in terms of dealing with China? Because right yeah. now, the setup is still bilateral. And you mentioned Definitely. it was difficult to, to deal with China bilaterally. And also Definitely. give us details on how difficult it was to deal with China bilaterally over this issue. Well, because China would always start the meetings on a bilateral basis by saying that they have uh, sovereignty over the entire South, practically the entire South China Sea. So the meetings would not progress because of that. They would start off by making an opening statement that they had sovereignty over practically the entire South China Sea. That's why we could not get anywhere. Now, when we tried to take this up in ASEAN, the ASEAN ambassadors were quite reluctant because they did not want to upset China. They knew that China didn't want us to get, didn't want ASEAN to be involved in the decision. So they kept insisting that it would be a bilateral negotiation. But unfortunately, uh, they were acting like a bully all the time. But uh, do you agree with some people who are supporting this, this administration uh, who are saying that uh, perhaps uh, it's slightly different now because they're dealing with President Duterte, not with President uh, Noynoy Aquino at that time? Yeah, but again, I asked you, what have we achieved over the last five years? What have our diplomats have achieved? You asked Secretary Theodora Loxin. You asked the previous uh, uh, Secretaries of Foreign Affairs. What, did they, what were they able to get from China? What, what The defense officials, you asked them, what have they? You asked Secretary Lorenzana. And he'll tell you that, that we really haven't gotten much, you know, using the approach taken by by President Duterte. Where are we today with regard to China? Okay. And also before we end this uh, interview, I'd like you to uh, set the record straight. Was uh, Justice Carpio at that time involved in any way in the negotiations 
no, not at all. over the Scarborough standoff? Not at all. Because, of course, he was in the Supreme Court. He, he was not involved in the executive department. So he, he had no involvement at all. Zero. And how do you think uh, this debate issue is reflecting on President Duterte now? He issued a challenge. Justice Scarpio accepted it. And then he decided to um, uh, field his own spokesman to do the debate with uh, Justice Scarpio. And of course, Justice Scarpio really wanted uh, to take that challenge coming from the president himself. In short, she nagamon, pero she umadras. Tama, tama. And a lot of people were looking forward to that debate. But uh, as we know, he, he changes his position uh, all the time. And, and uh, it, is, it is, of course, unfortunate. Siyang naghamon. Kinanggap naman ni Justice Scarpio. Tapos siyang umatras. Of course, we've seen that so many times in the past, uh, Christian. This is not the first time. Okay. Former Ambassador of the Philippines to Washington, Jose Quisha Jr., thank you for joining us this morning, sir. Thank you very much, Christian. The country's new police chief vows to clean up the Philippine National Police. Police General Guillermo Eliazar, who officially replaced the Bolsinas on Saturday, says he will sack any police officer who will step out of line. In line with this, Eliazar is eyeing to open a complaint referral and monitoring information system. Ito, pwede niyo iparating sa akin ang inyong sumbong doon sa ilulunsad namin na uh, itong complaint referral and monitoring information system. Doon kasi pag tinext nyo, meron talaga tayo mga parang call center agents na mag-a-analyze dyan, then i-encode dyan, ipapadala sa mga concern. Gawin nila yung trabaho nila. Gagawin pa rin natin dyan. Bukas, maaari mag-inspect ako o sa isang araw. Hindi ko sasabihin, di ba? Basta mag-inspect na lang tayo. First fellow police, Elizar asked district commanders to keep tabs on their mental health. He meanwhile promised to stop the supposed culture of accepting police recruits just because they are connected to high-ranking officials. That's as the PNP is hiring around 17,000 new police officers this year. This year, ang aming pong quota or I mean, ang gusto namin i-hire is 17,000 na patrolman and patrolwoman. Meanwhile, the new PNP chief says he has ordered his men to prepare detention facilities following the president's order to arrest people wearing face masks improperly. Eliazar says physical distancing must still be observed in detention cells where violators can only be held for a maximum of 12 hours unless charges are filed against them. He says he has told policemen to observe maximum tolerance in arresting violators and warn them against abusive behavior. The Commission on Human Rights and members of the Makabayan Bloc in Congress have warned that the order to arrest and detain face mask violators could lead to possible human rights abuses. The Department of the Interior and Local Government earlier said it would reconcile Duterte's order with local ordinances and mask wearing and subsequent penalties for violations. Joining us now is Quezon City Mayor Joy Belmonte. Good morning, ma'am, and thank you for joining us on the program again. Good morning, Christian, and good morning to all of um, our televiewers and listeners. Okay, let's start with this order by President Duterte for the Philippine National Police to arrest the face mask violators. Will this be implemented or is this already being implemented in Quezon City and how are you doing it? 
Actually, Christian, as early as ECQ of 2020, Quezon City uh, had already passed a ordinance mandating the wearing of face masks. No? So um, in lieu of arresting and detention, though, we um, um, require them to pay fines. No? So the, the minimum fine is 300 for a first offense, 500 for a second offense, and uh, 1,000 for a third offense. However, um, because ECQ is a time of, of um, unemployment, of, of poverty, of hunger. People are not working. Uh, we also were very, very tolerant with regards to the payment of the fines. We allowed them a certain period of time. Um, and in fact, if they don't pay right away, it's, that's fine because the impact of that will be felt when they apply for a job and they will need a police clearance and therefore they will have a police record. No? So um, it's not like they have to pay it right away uh, given the circumstances that they're in. But we did not... Uh, want to, to arrest them and detain them because of the fact that we want to uh, we, we want to um, enforce social distancing and I, I think given the sizes of our detention facilities in our police stations and even in the barangays we did not have enough space for that and also we did not see that as necessary because at, at that early stage of the ECQ in uh, 2020 we thought it was best to just distribute masks um, teach them educate them and in fact uh, very few were actually even fined at that time we were just giving warnings no. Now, uh, during this uh, uh, order of the president, I had a meeting with our QCPD director, General Yara, because I wanted us to align. I wanted to know how we would implement this given that we have a local ordinance. No? And so we came to the agreement that we would still honor the local ordinance, that we would still practice maximum tolerance. So in fact, we do a lot of warning prior to even finding. Uh, we do a lot of warning. And this is, these are especially for children, for minors, for senior citizens, and for those who just accidentally put down their masks, you know, inadvertently. Um, and arrests are only made, and we agreed on that, Naman. Arrests are only made when there is resistance, defiance, viol um, violence, or assault on a police officer. And mm -hmm. then for those who talagang hindi talaga nagsuot ng mask, wala talagang mask, tsaka sila fine. And according to the rules parent of the city. But how do they identify uh, those who are actually bound to pay those fines? They issue tickets. Yes, we have something called an ordinance violation receipt, an OVR. And actually, this is a unified OVR. This is something that we give to all violations, traffic violators, um, community violators, those who drink in public, etc. It's the same ticket. No? The fines are just different depending on the offense. Okay. And so far, um, how, do you have any idea of the number of reports of possible or alleged violations uh, in the implementation of this uh, policy regarding face masks in your city? Well, the last I heard, uh, which, which was a couple of days ago from General Yara, was we had about 3,625 violators, no? but uh, only 348 were arrested. And again, he assured me that the arrests were made because there was defiance or resistance or assault on a police officer. Uh, warnings, uh, about 1,139 were warned, and about 2,100 were asked to pay a fine. What happened to those who were arrested? Uh, were, were charges filed against them, really? Well, no, um, according to the orders of the president, you just get uh, detained in a police station, barangays, uh, because some of the barangays have facilities that are the covered courts, etc., where they are, I, I presume, detained for a certain period of time. But I, as of the last time I talked to uh, our police chief, uh, there are no real charges being filed. It's just the, the detention. Okay. Now let's go to another uh, interesting issue. Uh, of course, this involves uh, the entire country, but there was this um, 
this event or incident in Quezon City where ivermectin was distributed by two congressmen in your city. Uh, first, I'd like to get your position regarding this as, uh, as mayor of Quezon City. Um, where do you stand regarding this, uh, this strong push for ivermectin to be used as prophylaxis and treatment for COVID-19? Well, Christian, I am a scientist by background, um, and so I, I stand by science. No? And also because I am the local chief executive of the city, I, cannot, I, I do not want to defy uh, national government protocols, such as those set by the FDA or the DOH. So I stand by whatever the, the FDA and the DOH say. Um, now, with regards to um, the discussions pertaining to ivermectin uh, in relation to the two congressmen, you know, Christian, this is my stand here. This is a medical issue, and I think the debate should remain in the medical realm. When politicians start talking about this, then it becomes a political issue. And as you know, elections are coming up, and one of the congressmen are is purported to be eyeing uh, the position I currently hold. And therefore, I would like to refrain from making any political statements or anything that may, may be misconstrued as such, uh, just because I would like to keep the peace uh, during this time when, uh, when I believe that we should be focusing in more important things. Okay, you're, uh, I suppose you're referring to Congressman Mike Defensor. Yes, sir. Okay, anyway, this, this discussion is not uh, political, definitely. My point is we need to talk about this because this concerns public health. The health of your constituents and a lot of ivermectin uh, uh, drugs were distributed to your constituents. My, my, my point is, uh, can't you do anything about it? Because this has not been approved by the uh, FDA. You've seen warnings from the DOH, from the WHO, from a lot of experts. So definitely, this is not supposed to be used as COVID-19 treatment or prophylaxis outside of the, I think, five hospitals who were granted compassionate use permits. So in your case, as a local government uh, unit chief, chief executive, can't you do anything about it? Let's say hindi si congressman yan, anybody who would do that distribution of an unauthorized drug for COVID-19 in your city. Well, I think that this is uh, uh, up to the regulating bodies. I want them to call them out. Now, if they call them out, uh, for example, itong national government agency sabihin, Mayor Joy, do something about this. Order your, your police officers to do something about this. Definitely, I would do that. No, But in this very sensitive situation wherein um, this, these are politicians of great, um, uh, I would say they, they have great influence, etc. Um, I have to tread on, on careful ground here. No? So I will take my cue on the national government. Definitely, I will act if if uh, I'm directed to. But on my own, not being a health expert, not really knowing the effects of ivermectin on the people, I will wait for the proper authorities to, to guide me as to my actions. But definitely, as a local chief executive, I am not afraid uh, to carry out uh, my role, no? uh, given the proper directives from uh, from those above. No? Uh, however, having said that also, um, it is very clear that here in the local government, we never prescribe ivermectin to our patients in our hospitals. Uh, we do not recommend its use um, and we do not, um, uh, we do not uh, we, we do not um, tell the people to to take drugs that are not uh, approved or recommended by the Food and Drug Administration. And uh, there's a lot of education also going on. Uh, when people ask us, then we say, um, well, just follow what the, the DOH tells us to do. You know, that's what but, we say. Mm, but is there a conscious effort or even an, uh, an aggressive effort to counter all this um, um, questionable lobby or promotion for a drug that has yet to be approved 
by Philippine regulators for COVID-19 treatment and prophylaxis. Again, as a matter of public health. Kasi nga, as I keep saying in this uh, in this program, for all we know, it might work. But we have to wait for the go yeah. signal from our authorities. Yes, that's why, Christian, I'm also not um, acting very aggressively against it because, I, like you said, it might work. There are trials being conducted. There are debates about it now in the medical profession. Now, there are um, trials even in other countries. So um, I would like to recommend that let us wait for these trials to uh, to, to uh, bear um, conclusive uh, I, I, conclusive um, actions, whether they, these are really, or conclusive um, um, conclusions, <laughs> whether they're really helpful or not. Kasi um, yun yung aking advice. No? Kasi kung uunahan mo naman, nasasabihin mong hindi siya dapat gamitin, or mali siya, or nakakasama siya, hindi rin naman, wala rin naman conclusions about that. Wala naman din studies to show that they really are bad. Um, there, as there I've are, read, ha? There, there are side effects, there are risks. Well, I've read that there are some risks. Um, I have made um, these risks known to the people who have asked me. Now, I've shown them some literature, but again, there are also literature that shows that they are very effective. So that's why I am calling out. I did release a press release recently calling out the FDA. Saan ba talaga kayo? Ano ba talaga yung stand ng FDA on this matter? Because we will act according to your stand. Um, so, pero so, so, mm. pero wishy-washy sila if you noticed um, uh, uh, Christian, there's a very gray stand on their part. No? Like, like they allow it to be used in certain hospitals. Uh, they say there are side effects. They say there are these things or, or um, they should not be used or prescribed, etc. But then um, now they have just approved it. Um, and to be manufactured in the Philippines as an anti-parasitic drug, now, which but, can be purchased, I think, off-label. You know, so people can now purchase this drug. I am, I understand, no? Pero for worms pa rin, for worms. Hindi pa rin for worms, for worms pa rin. But I, I think, hindi ako sure, Christian, pwede bang off um, uh Sa, sa drugstore, pwede bilhin yan without prescription because yan ang pagkaintindi ko based on um, the, the the pronouncements also of some congressmen that are using ivermectin that they were celebrating because pinayagan na daw. So, you know, as you know, Christian, there are certain types of drugs that people do the time, for example, which is not really made for whitening of the face but for beauty people started purchasing it for beauty and is anybody actually going after the manufacturers of glutathione or the users of glutathione because of that and now it's i think been repurposed for that that particular reason dito you so, mentioned that uh, um, you, you, I guess you my point mm -mm. you mentioned that the FDA has mm, been washed regarding this issue but don't you think that is also driven in large part by this strong lobby coming from politicians. Because one way of looking at the so-called uh, uh, actuations by the FDA is that it's really threading a very dangerous or sensitive uh, line here because you have intense lobby coming from politicians that even if they want to stick to the science, you have um, politicians aggressively promoting it, celebrities, uh, even people from media. So this is reflected, don't you think, of reflective of the strong of, of the weak regulatory framework in the Philippines more than the fact or the idea that they are being wishy-washy on this. 
Yeah, that's exactly what they mean. The, the regulatory framework should be stronger. They should take a strong and um, final stance with regards to this matter. Now, if the if they say it's not, there is no conclusive evidence to show that it is effective. If they say that we advise people not to use it, therefore we will go after or we will request. Uh, I guess I don't know which which enforcing agency to work with us towards uh, preventing the indiscriminate spread of this uh, drug that has not yet uh, proven any efficacy on it on COVID positive patients or having a prophylactic effect. They should act on this. No, I think that the fact that they even approved it for use. I think it for me, Christian, I don't know. This is my interpretation. It's actually a sign that they would like to appease the politicians lobbying for it. Um, because, because rather than just take a strong stance against it and act against its distribution, they actually act. Okay, let's just approve it. Uh, it's still approved as a parasitic drug, yes. But now there's ways and means for you now to um, to acquire it, and uh, I think that was their way for me. Their their way of probably just appeasing the politicians. Which would be unfortunate because they're supposed to be the regulators, and in the end, they would be held to account. They're supposed to be held to account, and in the meantime, what happens to these politicians who have been irresponsibly promoting a drug? that is not authorized yet in the Philippines for COVID-19. Yes, yeah, so I suppose nothing will happen to them um, be, be given the situation. In fact, it seems like they have won the lobby, um, the, the lobby uh, because they have actually gotten the FDA to approve the drug to be manufactured locally. And if I'm not mistaken, when I heard an interview by the FDA, they did say that um, it is not their role to call out these politicians. It is the role of Congress to police their members. No? So it's like washing their hands of that responsibility. Um, so um, I... I am quite, from the perspective of a local chief executive who does have to enforce the law properly, um, it, it does disappoint me because I also would like to be given uh, uh, clear directions as to how we should be acting with regards to this matter. No, but I would like to be fair also. Like I said, there are no conclusive, uh, there's no conclusive evidence as of yet. So um, I think that should also be made clear. No, because I, I my greatest fear. For me, Christian, it's really that people might believe that using ivermectin, which has, uh, as I asked DOH Secretary Duque, has said in my presence during a press conference, no conclusive uh, positive effect in addressing COVID-19, um, might now be misinterpreted by those who who believe in these congressmen, the politicians they have, in fact, elected into office, um, might believe when um, the, the allegations that this this could be a um, might be a replacement for vaccination. No, yeah. and that is my that fear. Is yeah, and um, that is why our campaign now is not so much against ivermectin, but our campaign in the local government is nothing replaces vaccination as the. I guess the main um, way in which we can address this disease and go back to normal. So okay. that we're, we're really we're campaigning heavily for vaccination in the okay. uh, in the in the face of all of these distractions. I would okay. say that's good. Before, but before we go to the issue of vaccination, uh, let's try to get this straight. So the FDA doesn't want to touch the ivermectin distribution by these politicians, by these two congressmen. And you said that you cannot act without, uh, let's say, any order from the FDA. Uh, unless the FDA tells you to go after this congressman. So in the meantime, they can just get away with that. It's not for me to answer question. I, I hope I'm not the right person for you to ask that question to. But, but you're the mayor of Quezon City. 
yes, that's why I'm doing my job. I am uh, educating the public as best that I can. Uh, the the messages being being I uh, uh, expressed by the UH through Secretary Duque, who is more vocal about this issue, um, have been um, echoed amongst our people. But um, in the you in if you want me to file charges then you're bringing this in the political realm, Christian, and I don't believe that this is the right time to bring uh, anything in the in, in the realm of politics because there's much more things that we have to do. Yeah, um, uh, actually, I just want to set the record straight. I don't want this discussion to be political, even if, again, you said that he's planning to run for mayor. But more than that, I think the issue is uh, about, it's all about public health, that whether this guy is running for, for mayor uh, next year, I mean, it's part of the job of yes. the local chief yes. executive to do something about it, right? Yes, Christian, but look, the, the 41 medical associations have already spoken out against yeah. ivermectin. Okay, so isn't that enough for the, the, the national government and to against them because they are congressmen um, if they do feel that the, a violation has been committed i'd like to qualify that they are congressmen they are uh, rep they are representatives of local districts but they are sitting in congress which is a national government body so i don't think in fact in the hierarchy of things christian if you know your political science mayors are beneath congressmen because we are local no yeah, that's why we yes but their concerns, that, um, are, but their concerns under, very parochial their concerns are very parochial. Therefore, we have to exercise what is within the power of the local chief executive, which is to educate the public, call on our barangay officials to educate the public. Um, and again, we ourselves will not and do not um, endorse any products to our constituents to cure COVID-19 that are not uh, that are not given the go signal or clearance by the FDA and the okay. DOH. So at this and we point, follow the law. Okay. So mm -hmm. at this point, you just need to counter this uh, this intense propaganda or uh, in intense promotion coming from people, politicians or not, regarding the use of an of an unauthorized drug for COVID nineteen. Yeah, you know, Christian. Um, under normal circumstances, no, I would call a, a, a dialogue. I would call a dialogue with um, persons who probably would be distributing drugs that that the, the FDA have said have no conclusive uh, evidence to prove to, to cure COVID nineteen because of my fear that this might be interpreted as a way to um, to dodge vaccination. Now, I would call a dialogue. Um, because there are many health professionals, there are many people I know, friends of mine, friends of my parents, friends of my brothers and, and, and siblings, so who do use and believe greatly in ivermectin. No? But I would call, call a dialogue and just say, you know, that's your personal right. Um, but please do not do not um, do not impose this on the people of Quezon City. No, I, I would call that a, a dialogue. But again, like I said, if I did that with these two congressmen, uh, then you're entering the realm of politics, which I would like to avoid. So it's a, it's a balancing act, Christian, and I hope you will understand at this stage. Yeah, yeah. Of, I, at this um, stage, there are greater battles to fight, and I yeah. believe this battle should be fought by the national government. Yeah, I understand that perfectly. It's just that uh, it's very unfortunate that uh, certain politicians are getting away with uh, with something that is supposed to be that's not supposed to be done again because that is not authorized by the Philippine regulators yet as COVID nineteen treatment or prophylaxis outside of those five compassionate uh, outside of those five hospitals that have been granted compassionate use permits. Anyway, let's move on to the other topic: vaccination. Again, it's very interesting. It's very good that you mentioned that people should focus on vaccination because. Uh, vac vaccines work definitely, no. So let, let, let's talk yes, about uh, the 
give us an update as to how many people have been vaccinated so far in Quezon City and uh, has there been any improvement when it comes to uh, vaccine acceptance? Bumababa yung vaccine hesitancy in Quezon City? Actually, it was never that low, Christian. No? When we have an ongoing online survey pertaining to how people feel about vaccination and about 50% are willing to be vaccinated. About 30% are undecided and about 20% um, do not want to be vaccinated. So that survey goes on to ask those who do not want to be vaccinated or on the undecided why don't you want to be vaccinated and the question um the answer is simple they're afraid therefore fear is uh, fear is because of lack of information it is an offshoot of lack of information of false information uh of fake news no? and so it's it's not because they are an in principle anti-vaxxers as as we know in in other countries there are people in principle are anti-vaxxers because they don't want any foreign elements in their bodies no? these are hard to convince but in terms of those who are just the afraid. I think it's a matter of giving them the proper information of educating them. And that's what we've been doing. And so um, we are doing a, a very traditional campaign um, towards convincing people to be vaccinated because we know that most people in Quezon City are not they don't have access to the internet, to social media, et cetera. And while everybody's saying we must automate, we must use computers, be connected, et cetera, the truth of the matter is those who are afraid are those who do not have access to appropriate uh, information. And therefore, we are doing, we're printing leaflets, Q&As, uh, frequently asked questions, et cetera. And we are doing um, for uh, as much as possible, given the the quarantine situation, to educate those no, mm. that do not want to be vaccinated. But um, we see now a trend wherein people who previously were undecided are now decided to to um, accept the vaccine. And those that previously said no are in fact changing their minds. So I see That's that as something that is very positive. And I think that Keston City will eventually reach her, herd immunity here, given the uh, the inputs as well of the private sector, wherein they have decided to band together and provide uh, incentives to those who are fully vaccinated. No? So, okay. um, and to follow some examples in other countries that grant, let's say, passes, vaccine passes, et cetera, and allow greater freedoms to those who are fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Finally, Mayor Joy, uh, they also encounter situations like this where uh, when your people uh, try to convince um, the, the residents, the constituents to go for vaccines, they na say that vaccines They also encounter situations like that. No, fortunately, the people of Quezon City are not asking me for ivermectin. <laughs> um, in fact, I suggest, why don't you use Linhua? Because this is the Chinese uh, drug. I, I know you're probably familiar with it. Yeah, before yeah. before the ivermectin uh, fad, um, there was Linhua, but this is now approved by the FDA. Um, and uh, if, you're, if, you, if your doctor prescribes it, you can actually tell people to take it. And in fact, in our COVID recovery kit, which I give to all our COVID patients in our HOPE facilities, um, we we include Linua uh, with the prescription from a physician for them to take because I, that's what I took when I had COVID and it was very effective for me. Okay, and finally, uh, is Quezon City ready to, uh, at least as far as Quezon City is concerned, uh, do your numbers point to the possibility of uh, relaxing the quarantine, uh, quarantine restrictions further after uh, May 14th? You know, Christian, our numbers uh, have gone down by about 57%. Um, compared to the uh, the 
the, the worst part of the surge. No? And that's a good sign. But the numbers are still very, very high. But having said that, I am for relaxing somewhat our restrictions because there are other issues and other uh, factors that have to be considered. Among them is the issue of mental health, criminality, uh, social unrest, which can prove to be even greater problems if, if left uh, um, without uh, the proper attention. So I am in favor of, of, of easing restrictions, provided that uh, all of those identified areas uh, where uh, transmission is most common, like the workplaces and, and uh, the communities are given uh, more uh, uh, stricter enforcement in terms of minimum health standards. Okay. Quezon City Mayor Joy Belmonte, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Christian. And that's our program for today. I'm Christian Esguera. You can listen again to our interviews on the ANC Matters of Fact podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. You can also get other exclusive content on ANC's YouTube channel. Thank you for watching.